Riverside Healthcare puts the health and wellness information you need well within reach. Welcome back to the Well Within Reach podcast. I'm your host, Helen Dandurand, and today I'm going to be joined by Dr. Ramanpreet Graywal, family medicine provider at Riverside's Watsika campus, to give us some important information about RSV. Healthcare can be confusing, but thanks to your My Riverside My Chart, you can easily manage not only your care, but your family's as well. With a single click, your My Riverside MyChart lets you stay well connected to the same information your provider sees. You can view your health history, get test results, request prescription refills, pay your bill, or make an appointment. Manage your care from anywhere, your laptop, phone, or tablet. Learn more and enroll today at RiversideMyChart.org. And we're back with Dr. Ramanpreet Graywal. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me, Helen. Yeah, of Good course. Good to be back. Yeah, I know. We've done this before, so it's definitely fun Fun to keep going and learning new things together. Yes, of course. So can you, for the people who don't know who you are, can you give us a little bit about your background? Yes, Helen, for sure. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Graywall. I'm a board-certified family medicine physician. My primary area of focus is providing preventative care to the population in Watsika. I work as a primary care provider at the Riverside campus. Like I said, I did my residency just recently from a community hospital in Pontiac. And here I am a year later, (laughs) maybe a little bit wiser. Yes, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, great. So like I said today, we're going to be talking about RSV, which we hear a lot about these days on social media and in the news, a lot going on. So can we start with you like telling us a little bit about what RSV is? So RSV is a very common respiratory virus that usually spreads around wintertime. RSV stands for respiratory syncytial virus. It normally only causes mild symptoms like cold-like symptoms, some cough, congestion, but sometimes it can also cause serious infections that may lead to hospitalizations and even ICU admissions. You must have been seeing that on the news these days. Yeah. That it's kind of spread. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll get into some of that a little later, but going like into the basics, like how do people get infected with this? Is it like any other virus? So RSV can spread easily from a person to person. This virus lives in the droplets that go into the air when a sick person coughs or sneezes. One can also get it from direct exposure to the virus droplets. Like for example, if you're infected with it and you might just have some mild symptoms, but if you go and, you know, let's say you're visiting a newborn and you go kiss that child on their cheek, you might give it to them. Other ways are that, you know, if you cough on your hand and then you touch a doorknob, you open the faucet or you just kind of touch your clothes, the RSV can also kind of live on hard surfaces or common surfaces for a very long time. So if somebody touches those same things again and they don't kind of sanitize their hands and then they touch their nose or their face, they can give it to themselves. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. That's kind of what you normally try not to do with with other sicknesses too. So that's that's good that it's like the basics. So what are the symptoms to look for? I guess specifically in children, since we know that that's who it can be kind of worse for. And how do those differ from other common like colds or things like that? So RSV usually begins like a regular cold. 
and most commonly causes bronchiolitis in children. Some children may just have like a stuffy nose, mild cough, fever. Fever is defined as temperature that's more than 100.4 degree Fahrenheit and some decreased appetite. Now the bronchiolitis can also progress and cause other symptoms like faster breathing, pauses between breaths, wheezing, a severe cough that may last for 14 days or longer, some trouble eating and drinking. So if your nose is stuffed, the child might not want to eat as much because mm-hmm. they, it's hard to catch a breath and just kind of things like that. So the flu, COVID-19, RSP, and there's another virus that's usually only causes common cold is what we call it okay. in layman terms. It's mm-hmm. called adenovirus. So they all spread through the air. They're present in the droplets. Now, flu itself is caused by the influenza virus. The COVID-19, as we all know, is caused by SARS-CoV-2 virus and RSV being caused by the virus itself, yeah. the respiratory syncytial virus. Now, it's also possible that one person may be infected with multiple viruses at the same time, just kind of depending on their immunity or their exposure and things like that. Now, the biggest difference between flu and RSV would be that flu usually starts with like a high fever and it's associated with aches and pains that along with COVID can also have other GI effects like you might have some diarrhea, some nausea. COVID in general may also cause some sore throat and you know the most common would being difficulty tasting or smelling. So that's kind of like a broad differentiation but testing is the key to identifying viruses. So you know with symptoms of flu, COVID, RSV, they're all similar kind of and it's like a perfect storm of all of these three viruses kind of circulating in the environment right now. Um, And the only way to know for sure which virus you have is to kind of get tested. So there we do rapid antigen tests. We also do PCRs. Those are two most common tests that are used. Gold standard would be viral culture, which we don't do because it takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. By the time patients normally also recover (laughs) uh, by the time you get the results. Now, why would you want to get tested? Because with COVID, you have to isolate. You have to make sure that we're not giving it to other people, when to wear a mask. So just kind of you know, just what to do after you have these symptoms just kind of depends on which virus you have. Got it. That makes sense. So for RSV specifically, how long does that typically last? So RSV typically lasts for a week or two. Most kids get better on their own. And like I said, some people might end up having like a longer infection, which would be in people who have weakened immune systems that then they can maybe be ill for a month or maybe eight weeks, things like that. And people with RSV are contagious for about three to eight days. All right. We're going to take a quick break to talk about finding a primary care provider. Riverside knows that your health is your greatest asset and that your primary care provider is your partner in health. So you can find a primary care provider that fits your needs at riversidehealthcare.org slash primary care. All right. And we're back here. We're going to go into like, why is it considered to be so serious when a young child like an infant is diagnosed? 
So mainly for young children and infants is because they don't have the immunity. That's the best explained. Now, RSV, this virus kind of, let's talk about how and what it does when it enters your body. So if you inhale it or if you somehow somebody sneezes in, into your mouth, so at the back of your throat or back of your nose, that's where the virus kind of replicates and then it goes further down into your windpipe. Through the trachea, it goes into the bronchioles, hence the name bronchiolitis. So when it enters the bronchioles, it causes like a lot of inflammation over there, which leads to like lots of secretions and they kind of start to block the airways. So this makes it hard to breathe and especially in preterm infants because their lungs are not as developed or in patients or people who are more than 65 years of age and they have other lung issues like asthma or COPD or even if they're chronic smokers they develop severe infections like that. Now RSV can also cause lower respiratory tract diseases like like I said, bronchiolitis can cause some bronchospasm, pneumonia, and acute respiratory failure in children. It also causes apnea. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So what kind of then I guess you're saying like it would restrict like kind of airways and airflow and things like that. So obviously like just hearing that sounds like it could be life threatening, but like it definitely could be right for people, the right person. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's very important to just kind of identify when when is it time to go to a doctor or when is when is the time to go to the ER. Yeah. So what would you say? Like what if I guess if your kid is just sick, mm-hmm. then you would say, I mean, you need to go figure out what that is. And then from there, like when would it be time if you know they have RSV but aren't doing well to go to like the ED? Yeah. To warrant a visit to see a doctor would be if the symptoms are either getting worse or if they're not improving after seven days, a fever of 100.4 or higher, or if the symptoms develop in a child who's younger than three months of age. For the ER, immediately head to the ER if your baby exhibits any signs of dehydration. That is, if you you feel like their tongue is dry, they're not making as many tears when they're crying, or there's a decrease in the wet diapers. If you see that they're doing belly breathing or using muscles of their ribs or neck, so you'll literally see some retractions between the ribs or you'll see that their neck muscles are kind of getting hard or in spasm mm-hmm. is is how you can kind of relate to it you can if you notice that your child has some flaring nostrils or if their head is bobbing with breathing or if they have like a really high fever got it that makes sense so once they go say they go to a doctor how would rsv be treated is there medication so for rsv now let's talk about when a child is otherwise doing okay there's no antibiotics because it's it's a viral infection okay sometimes we have patients walk in with the expectation of an antibiotic so there's no antibiotic me i'm like please give me something (laughs) help me out here (laughs) yeah 
and for children especially antibiotics cough medicines decongestants and sedatives are not recommended cough medicines and decongestants have not been proven to be helpful at all and are not safe to use in young children especially children who are less than 2 years of age and a sedative can basically mask symptoms of low blood oxygen and difficulty breathing so obviously that's not recommended otherwise there are a few things that you can do at home and that's what we always kind of recommend to our, the parents of our patients would be to just kind of make sure that your child gets enough fluids use a humidifier in the room where your child sleeps if you feel like your child is uncomfortable because of fever you can give some over the counter medications like acetaminophen or brand name tylenol or ibuprofen brand name advil or motrin but be sure to read the instructions carefully never give them aspirin So any child younger than 18 years old should not be using aspirin. You may remove the mucus from your child's nose with a suction bulb. If a child is older than 1 years, then feed them warm clear liquids to kind of just soothe their throat and help them loosen their mucus. Sleep in the same room as your child so that if anything happens overnight, you're right available right away and you can help them. and the last but not the least would be do not or allow anyone else to smoke near your child gotcha all right that makes that makes sense i really i thought that there was medication so i'm really i'm really coming at this with no info i guess i i don't have children so i haven't looked into it before but that's really good to know so it's a lot of things that you you will be doing at home um to help your child so to like wrap this all up how would you recommend we work to prevent this and to like stop the spike of people getting infected with this like right now and in, in the season mm-hmm. well helen as there's no vaccine for rsv there are five different types of rsv vaccines that are under study at this time but maybe we'll have a vaccine in two or three years there's no they're kind of doing studies on them wow. but most likely it won't be something that would be given to like all of us maybe it would be only for kids or older mm-hmm. adults who the virus would impact the most so it kind of just kind of depends on us to make sure that the virus does not spread so basic hygiene like wash your hands and your child's hands with often with kind of soap and water or use alcohol based sanitizer teach your child to cover their mouth when they cough or have them cough into their elbow don't share glasses cups or utensils clean things that are touched a lot like counters sinks faucets doorknobs phones remotes and light switches stay away from people who are sick yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah. and make sure your child gets all of the recommended vaccines including those of flu and covid-19 great that's awesome i've never really i mean i Don't get me wrong. I clean my phone sometimes, but I should probably though all the places that it goes every day. I probably should clean that a little bit more. So, yeah. no, that's that's really great. Sounds good. Well, I I think we covered a lot here and I hope that this is helpful to someone, but thank you for joining us today, Dr. Grewal. Thank you. And thank you listeners for tuning in to the Well Within Reach podcast brought to you by Riverside Healthcare. For more information, visit riversidehealthcare.org.